Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Stafford normally, so it's nice to be able to open it up and, and to be here together. Thanks for even allowing yourself to be in that space of reflection and of worship. Uh, the presence of God wants to meet us in every space that we're in, and, and this space this morning is a gift for us to be able to gather and to reflect in this way. So as I mentioned, uh, part of our service this morning is going to be a time of, of discussion together, so just kind of in the around with the people that you're at to, to have a conversation. Maybe we need to filter out amongst our, our rows. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be continuing our series through the book of Proverbs. And we are going to be in Proverbs chapter 14 and Proverbs chapter 29. And so I'm going to read a few verses from both. And then I'm going to lead us in a little bit of a, a reflection on it and then some questions for us to engage in. So uh, Proverbs chapter 14, we're going to be reading verses 12, 13, 30 and 31, and it says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots to the bones. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Then Proverbs 29 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. It's a powerful verse. Uh, we've talked a lot about operating in wisdom and why we want to operate in wisdom and how the Proverbs distinguish between operating with a sense of righteousness and a sense of foolishness. But it doesn't just leave it there. It actually prompts us to consider what lies behind the motivations of our hearts the motivations of our decision-making or our processing. So, uh, a question that I have for you this morning when we consider these verses is, what are you most afraid of? And I think when we ha- hear a question like this, uh, there's, a, there's a litany of answers that seem to come up that fall inside the fear factor category. It's like spiders and snakes. It's, it's clowns and it's lightning storms. It's different things for different people. Or maybe it's more, it's, it's deeper than that. Maybe it's this idea of failure, this idea of, of loneliness, these deep-set fears that we face every single day. But the Proverbs are, are not simply concerned about the decisions that we make, but the motivations leading to it. And I would say, more often than we realize, fear is the primary motivation for the decisions that we make. And so a verse that says the fear of man will prove to be a snare, I think is deeply interesting. The fear of man can look a lot of different ways. It's not language that we use in particular, but euphemisms which can be equated with this idea are things like peer pressure, people-pleasing, low self-esteem, a sense of, of, of being exposed, the lack of security. These are all 
euphemisms for fear of man. And, and what do those things produce? Well, they produce comparison, envy, discouragement, defensiveness. These are all things that come from fear of man. So this is the track that we're going to be going down today. And what I would love for you to do, we're going to put a, a question on the screen. I'll read it for you. And then we're going to take a couple minutes. And uh, I just want you to discuss amongst your groups. And then I want to hear your thoughts on the question itself. So it's which of these examples of fear of man are the most challenging and why? And it, isn't it fascinating how much we, we fear the disapproval of others? Um, even when we're confident and even when we have a sense of belief in ourselves. Even when we have those elements, uh, disapproval of others, it finds a way to kind of seep in. And sometimes we, we push back against it by saying, I don't care what others think at all. And it's like this, again, this defense mechanism of, of survival in, in a lot of sense. So we all experience this fear, and most of us don't really want to admit to it majority of the time. Thank you for your honesty in the room. Um, but the Bible calls this fear of man. And, and it can weave this web of ambiguity around what I think the Bible wants us to clearly see. Because the fear of man can do multiple things. It can immobilize us. Uh, it can stop us from taking action. It can prevent us from speaking out when it's necessary. But this is what the Bible tells us. It, it said in cha uh, chapter 29, verse 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And the Hebrew word for snare is it's nothing... Dramatic. It's meant to talk about a trap that hunters use to catch animals or birds. Snares are, are dangerous. And if we get caught, we're invited to do whatever we can to get out of it. And God offers us freedom to get out of us. He wants us to be living in a safe sense of, of relationship with him. But freedom doesn't just remove the fear of disapproval. When it comes to the fear of man and God's freedom... God is actually looking to not simply remove the fear of disapproval, but to shift our attention, to shift our motivation. It's transferring it to the right place. And he frees us by helping us face our false fears so that they lose their power over us. Because that's what fear often has, right? It's, this, it's power over us that we don't want to actually relinquish. And when we realize that we've given it up, what's our response? Well, it's frustration. Oh, I'm better than that. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have that way. But what God is inviting us into when it comes to a perspective of fear is not simply uh, let's reject fear as a whole. Because the thing is, you and I are made with the sense of emotion. We have response in situations. The question is, what is the Bible talking about when it's leading us to this idea of where we set our attention to when we consider the emotion of fear? How does that actually orient us? Where does it guide our decision-making? I think even sometimes, like you, when you grow up, you're, you need to have fear in order to survive. <laughs> I, I'm fearful of falling off a cliff, therefore I'm not going to ride the edge any closer. You, you, you learn how to orient yourself accordingly. Sometimes that feeling of fear leading us down the right path becomes our general approach to life, though. 
I've gotten so used to having fear drive my motivation that this is the path I'm going to take over and over again. It's like the verse that we talked about at the very beginning. It feels like the right path, but it's actually the wrong one. So the question I want you to kind of dis discuss amongst yourselves is, why does fear often feel like the right motivation for action? And what trap does it lay? What are the traps of fear in our life? And what have you seen to be the traps of fear? So let's ask that question. This one's a little more introspective. Fear tells lies about who we really are. So often, that kind of progression, when it takes place, it, has, it ends up having others believe a lie about us. And then we end up being, believing that lie about ourselves. When the truth is, humility might be a natural expression of who you are, and someone else's depiction of who you are is actually the lie. So this, this is a, a challenge of fear. But here's the thing, God has actually designed us to be motivated by these emotionally powerful forces, and this is why. I think that they uniquely reveal what we love. Fear uniquely reveals what you love. Because each of us instinctively, that which we are, and we, in terms of what we're worth and how we define ourselves, we always orient it around what we love. And, and the person or the words of a person that we ascribe most authority to define who we are, what we're worth, what we should do, and how we should do it is the person that we can often fear the most. Because we're afraid of what they're going to say. You have a boss that you really want them to, uh, to approve of what you're doing. And then you're doing something over the course of your day, and you're afraid of doing it wrong because of their response. That, that is attributing a, a love of, of approval or a love of what they are going to say instead of what God says about you or what you've come to learn about yourself. I think when we feel this fear, it can stir up like this emotional fog and it's got this like psychological complexity to it. But when we cut to the very heart of things, I want us to remember this simple biblical truth. And this is the Bible. It says it over and over again. It says that we obey the one that we fear. So when we consider the fear of man, the dichotomy that's presented in the scriptures is the fear of God. But the idea of fear that we are experiencing on a daily basis, that I'm, I'm afraid of how it's going to make me feel, I'm afraid in, in, a, in a negative manner, that's not what we want to attribute to what the term fear of God actually means. Fear of God is, is this idea of reverence. It's the idea of, of love. It's the idea of focus and adoration. It's, it's not meant to be, the Bible says uh, over and over again, against fear. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Well, if God is with us and we're not to be afraid, our understanding of fear when it comes to God needs to shift. Because it has more to do about our direction of love than anything. In Deuteronomy 10 verses 12 and 13, it says, now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. The initial invitation when it says to fear the Lord is to 
love him and to serve him. The fear of man is a snare because man's love is a false god. But the fear of God is safe because God unconditionally loves you and is the true one in which our adoration needs to be set. So some of the ways in which we can overcome uh, fear of man that I want to invite us into today. It, it can be a practice that you could try this week. At the beginning, we made a list of some of those different ways, those euphemisms of fear of man that we experience in our everyday lives. Maybe you identify with one, maybe you're with all four, wherever you're at. A couple different ways that you can engage with it. Confess your fear of man. You, we need, sometimes we need to speak out that which we know to be true in our minds. It's one of the hardest things to do, but that's why it's step one. <laughs> Confess your fear of man. As soon as you recognize it and confess it as, as, as a sin, as, as falling away from what God desires from us, that's a great first step. Number two, question it. Call it into question. Why is my heart going this direction? Why am I thinking these thoughts? Why does it have a hold on me in the way that it does? And number three, with the power of the Holy Spirit within you, courageously confronted. Speak the truth of the word towards it. Call the Spirit of God into the situation that feels beyond repair. And that which you've confessed, that which you have questioned, can now be confronted by the power of the Holy Spirit within you to overcome the fear of man with the power of God that wants you to experience the freedom from the snare that it creates. And then once you have confronted it, because it's what happens so often, I've confronted it, I've confessed it, and then I feel really good. And then 24 hours goes by, and you wake up the next day, and you're like, oh, it's still there. That fear is still upon my heart. That's why the Bible invites us that there's new mercies every day, but we come back to him, and we trust that God is our safe place. And we begin that process again. So even here this morning, perhaps you've identified and you can confess it. You can confront it. You can question it. And you're going to have a great day ahead. You're going to feel a sense of freedom. And you're like, I want this all the time. And then tomorrow you're going to wake up and that sense of fear is going to be on, on, on your mind first thing. Know that God wants you to experience that freedom daily. And we engage again. We confess again. We repent again, and we experience freedom again. Freedom is available every day, every moment, every situation. Sometimes it just means we need to repeat from the beginning the process that got us to that place of freedom. But it gets a little bit easier every time. Where the words of another don't have the same weight the second time as they did the first because you've experienced the freedom that you needed to see that it was possible for that not to have a hold on your heart that way that it has in the past. Fear of man is a snare, but in God we find safety. I think we crave that safety. And often fear wants us to go to wants us to make decisions to a place that we perceive to be safe. If I get everyone to think well of me, I'm going to feel better about myself. If I'm going to be pressured into responding this way or acting this way, maybe I'll be accepted. 
these false senses of safety. But the proverb invites us, the fear of man is a snare, but in God we find rest and safety. So the question, the final question for, the, for this uh, time together, we'll just take a few minutes to talk about it. Uh, do you have a healthy fear of God, as the Bible invites us into? And what does that look like? This one's going to be a question for you to reflect on as the week goes. Ask yourself, what do you believe the fear of God means? And what can it look like in your life? And how can that be part of your practice? Um, part of this idea of, of fear and unhealthy fear and healthy fear. Uh, unhealthy fear is the relinquishment of control to the approval of man. But healthy fear is the focus of our motivation upon right relationship with God. Upon righteousness. And so part, we, we do that in our emotional spaces, we do that in our mental spaces, but we get to do that in our physical spaces as well. In a posture of remembrance. Wonderful. Alright, well that wraps up our time here this morning. Next week is a Sabbath Sunday. Long weekend. I don't know where you're going to be, but don't go anywhere where you're planning City Collective to be, because we're not going to be anywhere. <laughs> but uh, we will be sending out a, a reflection if you want to take some time on the Sunday. I, I highly encourage it. 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever it looks like in the day that you can reflect on some scripture uh, in time of prayer. It is going to be a beautiful space for us all over. And uh, though we will not be together, we are still the church. So take time, make that part of your practice this upcoming Sunday. And then on the 7th, we are back here. And so uh, let's close in a benediction. A benediction, would you extend your hands with me? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the fear of men have no hold on your people. Love God, love people, be the church. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.